we've had the National Leaders Conference, and what we want to do this week and next week is just give some feedback from the from the National Leaders Conference. And uh, we've asked some people, people have volunteered, to uh, to speak. So I'm actually not sure the order who's going, but I know Mike and Joe are speaking this week because next week they're on kids. So um, they, they are doing that. So I'm just going to hand over to whoever, just come up and um, do what needs to be done. All right. Volunteer. Volu- volunteer is a sort of a loose word. <laughs> Um, okay, I've, I've been a bit um, kind of. I've done a few slides. Um, there were just so many amazing things that happened. And I don't want to. I could. I could spend hours talking about it, and I. I want to give other people opportunities to 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 share. And I. So I just focused on one element, and it was discipleship and a strategy for the millennials. And Joe and my heart are for the millennials, and that's. Um, ages probably 18 to 35, um, which is just sits outside our bracket. But um, if you go to the next slide, it was, it was a very helpful lady called Jess Engart that, um, that, that presented this. But if you go to the slide, um, there are three areas that young adults struggle with. And, and what was interesting to me is, is that only 7% of millennials in the UK attend church. Um, they don't want religion, but they do actually have a faith. It's just what that faith is. And they want to come to faith. They don't want to be forced, a forced religion and an institute. The three areas that they struggle with as young adults, um, the world, flesh, and the devil. Um, next slide, please, Anne. And they have a real battle with identity. Um, they want a religion, uh, not, a, not an institution. Uh, sorry, they don't want a religion or an institution. Um, they live in a post-truth era. So there are lots of trust issues around whose truth. Is my truth your truth? Is your truth my truth? I don't believe your truth. Those kind of arguments. But... I'm happy with what I believe, and you can be happy with what you believe. But we all know that that's not the truth. (laughs) Um, And they've got a real heart for justice, um, and some of it's around policies of LGBT. And that's something that that really struggles in the church, and the the church really struggles with um, managing people that... um, want to support LGBT. And I think Mark, when Mark was praying about the rainbow, it's a real, it gave me a bit of insight into, uh, in the 70s, people used the peace sign, like the broken cross. So they used symbols, and, and, and the, the, the LGBT symbol is a rainbow, but it's only six, um, uh, six colors, whereas our rainbow is seven colors. Uh, it's it's the light that God's created, and uh, I, I think that's it's it's useful because people use symbols in a way that replace God's symbols, and uh, I, I I thought that was really insightful of me. Thank you. Um, next next slide. Um, many did not grow up in church, so um, they didn't have parents that 
that went to church, they, they, they didn't have a background in church, which is, we're one of the first generations that did that. And again, Mark was describing foreigners coming into the UK to sort of be missionaries, missionaries to the crowd, because we grew up in a church environment that was different to a lot of the, the, the children in the UK, adults in the UK, young adults. And they've got difficulty getting to church and understanding it, so they, they don't really like the structure. So we, we've tried to move away a little bit from structure and having a bit of a cafe, cafe church style. So you've got seats, you've got tables, you've got coffee going on. So they, they prefer that. Um, they are uh, feeling-based. And it's quite dangerous to trust your feelings. It's, it's, it, it, sometimes that, that doesn't always work. So they, they struggle with significance and acceptance and identity. And then they, they have perceived hypocrisy around role models and leaders falling. So if you look at our current leaders, you wouldn't describe them as, as role models or people that, that are of high, high integrity. If you think of, I hate to use the card, but Donald Trump or other leaders within within um, society and and actually it's happened in in um, in the church and if you think about Bill Hybels and and some of the, the the really big church leaders that have unfortunately fallen um, by uh, the spirit and in the next slide um, what they tend to do is, is bolt a lot of these fe- these feelings of anxiety uh, onto anxiety and they use sex as, a, as an opportunity to gain security, gain acceptance, and gain significance. Um, next slide, please, Anne. Um, and it's a way of com- combating that. She, she used a very, very important thing. of thinking about your choices and the fruit that they bear. So she used a very good example of um, someone that wanted to have sex before marriage, was in church, she was, I think she was 19 or, or 18, and her response was, why, why can't I have sex before marriage? Why can't I have sex with my boyfriend? And one of, the, one of her responses to that was, um, uh, you can have sex, but think about what that f- makes you feel like. Think about what God m- thinks of that. Think about um, what your value is. And so the, the response from that lady was, well, it, it makes me feel used. It makes me feel um, undervalued. And, and, the, the, and then the response is, do you think your father really wants that? Do you think your father in heaven really wants that? And then... Um, it, we, there were a few Bible verses that um, reminded us of that, and it was, uh, I'm a new creation in Christ, and this is um, 2 Corinthians 5.17, and then the Ephesians 1.1, 1, 1, which is, we're saints, and we're holy children in God's family. And then um, they, they also, they don't like being referred to as sinners, it weirds them out. Living in a post-truth era, you, you, you're not a sinner, you You've got your own, your own rules. And then following on, the spirit, um, they, a lot of people, and we don't realize it, even, even 
in business and other areas, you, you do come across the occult quite, quite, quite a lot. And um, this is through magic shows at school and uh, just some of the simple stuff. And then in business, we, you know, we, I've, I've done a bit of neuro-linguistic learning and neuro-linguistic programming. Um, there's also yoga and Eastern meditation that sort of comes from um, uh, some of the, the more, a lot of the business teaching that's going on within um, society today. And young adults actually believe in Satan, but they've got a wrong perception of Satan. They, they believe Satan should be feared. Next slide, please, Anne. And the, the thing is, is, is that Satan's actually an angel, so he's a created being. So there's, if you've got God on your side, <laughs> there is no need to fear because he is not an equal to God. And in James 4, 7, it says, Submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. And that, I felt that was a really helpful verse to take away and to share with young adults. And then um, just remi- being reminded that we have a grace-based theology, um, always forgiven on the cross. Next slide. Thanks, Anne. And just on the flesh, again, I, d- I just wanted to point out they rely on feelings, use of sex, and those things to gain their acceptance, significance, and identity. Um, most of the habits are a result of um, h- how they identify themselves. And um, it's a pick-and-mix culture. Again, the post-truth um, sort of era is I will choose that, and I'll take a bit of that, and I'll take a bit of this. It's how do you manage that to, to, to bring them together. Um, they, 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 see, um, they see themselves as shameful, but then help them, they begin to realize that they can accept their sin, and then that becomes a habit. Um, and it, it creates lies and strongholds um, in their lives. Next slide, please, Anne. Um, we need to deal, deal with it and deal with, it, uh, deal with the flesh as a church. We need to actually confront it head on and get it out there amongst our young adults. Um, and we need to look for role models that are going to be um, full of integrity. Um, we need to be intentionally spending time with young adults and praying for them, covering them with prayer and praying with them whenever possible. And then I just thought a really helpful verse was Galatians 5, 6. So I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. So it's praying the Spirit over them, the Spirit to be within them and on them at all times. Great. Thanks. Thanks, Mike. Just... uh... Just a quick thing that, as Mark mentioned, the the rainbow and that that symbolism of the six and the seven. If you understand numerology and things like that in scripture as well, six is the number of man, seven is God's number, the number of God. In in Hebrew, there are no numbers, there are are letters that they go by. So often it's letters that they're speaking about. So the number six is, is the, that's why 666, the beast, it's a sign of man. It's man's number, and seven is God's number, and that's why they take away the seventh uh, color of the rainbow. 
Not because they don't like the colour, but it's of man. So who's up next? <laughs> it's you. you, Joe. You up front. <laughs> so, um, yeah, one of, there were lots of things um, I think that God was doing um, in me, kind of personally, um, over the few days, but I'm not going to share about those things. Um, but I did want to share just something of... Um, who, what the vineyard is and the heritage of that and the values of that and um, we um, and what God's doing kind of across the movement now and where we kind of came from and kind of what um, yeah some of the kind of the roots and the heritage of what God had created in this in the vineyard um, so one of the things that we kind of looking currently at the vineyard and across the movement in the UK, one of the things that we are involved in as Grace Vineyard is Grow Baby, and that's something um, that there are now um, 30 churches right across the UK that are running a Grow Baby um, service similar to ourselves. Um, Grow Baby itself started in 2003, um, and in 2019... Um, there were 1,800 families across the UK that had been supported by Grow Baby, um, which was amazing. And then another, uh, with over 2,000 more families receiving £64,000 worth of brand new gifts at Christmas. So not only being provided for baby clothes and equipment, but um, those additional families being given those gifts at Christmas. Um, and then with those 30 churches, there's almost £110,000 worth of volunteer hours that have been given to the community. So just this one kind of um, started off as just on the heart of this one couple in Kingston. Um, God's taken that and has multiplied that and is using that right across the nation to, to impact um, these families with his love. Another thing um, that we heard about in terms of what's going on in the vineyard currently in the UK, well, actually beyond the UK, there's a couple that we um, had the privilege of of hearing being interviewed a couple of years ago, and they were there again this this year. Um, They come from a Somali background, and um, they... God's led them into faith, um, and they just have... um, a real heart to reach Somalians. So um, uh, Somali, a bit like Mark was saying, kind of things going on in Nigeria, but in, Somali, in Somalia, um, 100% of people are Muslim. And they, there is nobody, this is what they say, there's nobody um, that um, is not a Muslim in the country. And yet um, this couple are able to, um, to preach the good news and um, are seeing people come to Christ. So they've now got a TV program they do a lot online, um, and there's obviously there's kind of um, <coughs> imprisonment and even death as a consequence of, of coming to faith in Jesus. Um, they've got um, a weekly TV program that reaches into Somalia, and they showed this amazing photograph of this couple who had um, the guy was on Skype leading somebody to Christ. Um, he was on a phone, he was leading somebody else to Christ. And then the lady was sat in the room and she had her laptop on and she was texting somebody on the laptop who also asked to meet with the guy to be brought into a kind of um, uh, yeah, prayer of salvation and to, to give his life to, to Christ as well. Um, and this, I was just really, really touched by what God's doing in this one couple who have come to faith in him um, beyond um, what is humanly kind of possible and um, is all down to him. They didn't keep um, stats to start with, but in, over the last three and a half years, they've started to kind of keep a record of, of people that have come to faith. 
Um, so in the last three and a half years, 3,597 Somalians have come to Christ. That's people in Somalia. Um, that's an average of about 20 a week between them, um, which is, you know not possible in human terms but isn't God amazing and I was just really blown away by that and what God can do um when we just give give ourselves over to him and let him work through us um and so that was kind of some of the things that are going on across the vineyard now and kind of then they they um showed this wonderful video which I think there'll be opportunity to see in the in the future um of so the vineyard was um kind of started founded by a guy called john wimber um, it was his wife he's he's since um uh, gone to glory but his wife carol was being filmed and another couple who were kind of quite fundamental to the start of the vineyard um and just hearing about their story and kind of just the what god's done with this group of just humble people whose lives are sold out for him and, and what he's currently doing now and this kind of multiplication effect and fruit that we're seeing in the vineyard a vineyard is a fruitful place isn't it it grows grapes and, and it multiplies um, so I'm not from a, a vineyard upbringing um, uh, I joined uh, this wonderful family about four and a half years ago um, but it's such a privilege to be a part of um, the vineyard family and uh, all that um, yeah, God, God has for this particular um, area of his church. Um, you might remember at the beginning, the kind of this time last year, I think we started and we looked at kind of what are some of the core principles, core things um, that God has uh, put on the heart of the vineyard. It's things like worship, songs that are sung to God, not just about God, um, for our compassion and kingdom theology, kind of um, the now and the not yet, the kind of um, wanting to see God's kingdom come and his will be done. Um, in our communities of being naturally supernatural um, and seeing God's power and presence come um, as we um, as we um, meet with our neighbours, our friends, as we pray for healing and freedom. We're seeing those things and then just being rooted in Scripture. And those things I just found so helpful to be reminded of. This is we're, we're a church um, where uh, God's brought us together, um, and we're relatively small um, kind of in the kind of scheme of the church um but what a privilege to be a part of something that god's doing um and as um carol wimber was sharing she was sharing about um her husband john and when he first came to faith in the 60s i think it was um he had no background no church background or anything like that and he just read the bible um, and as he read the, read the bible he believed in it he felt this was um this Jesus was who he was. This is what Jesus did. This is what the disciples did. This is what Jesus taught the disciples. Um, and so he decided he came from a, he was um, part of the music industry in California. He gave all of that up because um, he wanted to follow Jesus. Um, and uh, But then he was told that all the things that he'd read in the Bible, well, they weren't things for now. They were things for then. Um, and the, um, this really... Um, he didn't feel this was right. Uh, and so this is one of the quotes that uh, Carol said that he said, um, when I worked for the devil, I did the devil's stuff. But now I'm with Jesus. I want to do the stuff that Jesus did. And don't we want that? Don't we want to be following Jesus? Not just reading about him, not just having head knowledge about him, but following him in his footsteps, doing what he did. Um, and this isn't reserved. We, we have a, a kind of phrase in the vineyard. Um, everybody gets to play. This isn't just reserved for the kind of the holy guy at the front who can, well, well, that's the person to do all of the stuff that's in the Bible. No, we're all called as disciples, as followers of Jesus, to be doing the stuff. Um, and I think that's one of the things that I'm loving about our connect groups at the moment, that it's an opportunity to grow in those things, to learn how to hear from God, to step out, um, to um, 
seek, uh, yeah, um, revelation from God, words and pictures for people, um, to seek freedom um, and um, and healing and all of these things that we can step out, we can learn how to do that in our small groups and then take that out uh, into our communities. Um, and just like um, that story of the Somalian couple, um, uh, we were just reminded that it's, yeah, it's beautiful to see what God's doing when we let him. And so the question I kind of, I took from that and I want to just share, share with you guys this morning is, do we? Do we let him? How, how, how much um, have you really opened yourself up to allow God to use you in that way? That couple just have risked everything, really, for God to use them and work through them. Um, and it's beautiful when we see that happen. I've personally known that over the last year. Um, there's been different things at different stages and different, you know, work and home and different places. But when I surrender and let God work through me and put myself, <laughs> myself aside and my plans aside and my words aside, um, God just does an amazingly beautiful thing. Um, and then, um, yeah, she just shared, Carol said, you know, we're all... God's made us all unique, um, and I think we see that in Ephesians two ten. Of you know, since before we were the world was formed, God, God um, had plans for us, good plans for us, um, uh, of of things he he wanted us to do, and he made us and he's formed us, and we're all unique pieces. We've all got something different to bring to the body of Christ, and we need to take our places. And I think. Um, so often we can um, feel like, well, we need to grow in this area or we need to learn how to do this or we need to um, stop doing this before God can use us. And what she was saying was, um, actually, we need to be in our place. We may need to make ourselves available for God. And it's actually his grace and mercy, not what we... Um, doing in ourselves to get us to the point where he uses us so don't disqualify yourself just um get get in your place and do what he's made you to do and do that in a way which is surrendered to him um yeah that was what i wanted to share thank you there there were three points that i wanted to bring um as joe and mike have said there were there was so much there that it's, it's, there, there could have been all sorts of things that we could have spoken about, as I could speak about. But then I was seeking God, and number one, I wanted to share things that I felt God was speaking to me, but also then to sort of also include things that could also help, help all of us as well. So the first point was about abiding in God. And a few times, the chapter John 15, I think it was at least three times, different people spoke about that chapter in John 15, about the the vine and the branches and how we need to keep abiding in, in God. And um, so, I, and I do, I, I have quiet times every day where I, I pray to God, I read the Bible, but sometimes it can be rushed. It can be quite rushed. And I do it, and of course I do abide in God, but sometimes it's sort of, it can be, oh, I, I've, I read that, I've got to get on. Um, whereas abiding in God, it's really, it's, it's really drawing close to God, to really coming into his presence and um, letting him speak to us as well as me speaking to him. 
So by abiding in God, our ministry and life will flow more more easily because we're drawing from God first, and then through that, then we're we're stepping out into the into the world, and and our lives will flow more easily. Um, and also, it's it's learning to know the Spirit's guidance. It's not just a matter of reading our Bibles and praying, but it's it's spending time seeking God, so that He can speak to us as well. By abiding in Him, we will be less rushed, more at peace, more rested, and less stressed. Our lives can be consumed with busyness, and I'm, I'm sure most of us know that, that we, can be, we can be so busy, but it's important to take that time to, to really seek God, and then, that will, then God will help us, and he will lead us so that we're doing the things that God wants us to do. And when we abide in God, as it's saying in John 15, that we will then produce more fruit as well. Like God doesn't want our lives to be busy. He wants them to be, to be fruitful, to, to be more fruitful. And then we will give away out of the overflow of our hearts. So by what we receive, we will then be giving away. And they mentioned like love is spelt T-I-M-E, time, that by abiding in God, then he will hopefully be leading us and we'll be using our time more in the best way. And often, well, often it's with people because God's love, then he wants our time to be with people. Um, and of course, we all know there's other, lots of other things that we have to do, but it's just, just seeking God, spending time with him so that we're doing the things that he wants us to do. They mentioned hurry is the death of prayer, that often if we're rushing around, sometimes the thing that can get forgotten is, is spending time in prayer with God. Hurry kills relationships because you can maybe get irritated and thinking, oh, why did this person have to come? I've got this to do and that to do. But I think it's also being led by the Spirit so that, we're, that we can change things around, that, that, we're, that we're thinking, oh, well, I was going to do that, but... This has happened. Lord, maybe is this what you're wanting me to do? And when we, when we wake up, and something that was said is that we wake up in the morning, but we have to remember that actually that we're now joining God. It's, yes, it is a new day, but we can say, oh, hello, God, you're awake. You've got a plan, and I'm now joining you in, in our day together. Um, and so, yeah, hurry, it sabotages our capacity to give love because we're wrapped up in the things that, that we want to do. And we must all slow down, be more loving, and in everything we do, then, then Jesus has got to be at the center. That was the first point. The second point really flows on from that, and again, it's about spending time with God. And it was, somebody was talking about, and we, we have had a teaching on it quite a lot, on about rules of life and rhythms of formation. And even though I've had teaching on it, but I've still found it quite hard and still thinking, well, what does it mean? What is it? Um, and I'll just read this because it simplifies it. A rule for life is a set of practices and ryth- rhythms that create space to receive and give love 
as we live in alignment with our deepest desires. So I'll read that again. Rules, a rule of life is a set of practices and rhythms that create space to receive and give love as we live in alignment with our deepest desires. So then one of the things was rules of life and rhythms. It says rhythms increase our power and prevent burnout. They are patterns, habits, formational practices. Rhythms set the pace. They bring us back into God's love and acceptance. And we need to anchor into God's love. So as I mentioned at the start, I do have quiet times. Every day I do. Some days more than others. And I do, I do abide with God. I do do that. But I just know that in my life it could be better. And sometimes, especially the days I'm working, I find that that deep abiding with God is more rushed than, than the days when maybe when, when I haven't got so much going on. And, and it's also, um, like, like, um, I'll, I'll, I'll share just in a minute about the, the steps that I'm going to take. But it's a thing that everyone seeks God and they think, well, what is, they, they spend time with God and they ask God, what is the rhythm that you want me to do that's going to help me? Because we're all different. We all, we all work in different ways at different times. Some people find it better in the morning. Some people find it better in the evening. But the main thing is finding that time. For me, I find it better in the morning, but there might be days when I think I can't do it in the morning. So then I, I need to, it's, it's scheduling God into our day because things will otherwise push him out. It will, that will happen. And so it's maybe it might be when I come home, I think, right, I'm going to put aside that half an hour. And rhythms can change as well. The idea is that you, Set a rhythm and maybe you keep that for a few weeks, maybe for a few months. That's between you and God. You might find part of it's not working and you think, no, I'm going to change that. So it's not something that's set in stone that you can never, that you, you, you can never change. So some, one, like one thing that I find is that I don't create time for God to speak to me. I, my my prayer time it's often uh it's often requests um um i don't so i don't actually spend a lot of time listening and i find that quite hard actually um allowing him to speak to me um and thinking well is that from god is that not and often i don't particularly get a lot when um when i listen when i find that time listening to god so, so, um, so I'm, I've decided that I'm going to start, start a, start a rhythm. So, the, the first thing I'm going to do for my rhythm is to start in a time of praise. So, um, like the second one is a time of quiet and stillness before God. And lots, some people say, oh, it's good to start with, with silence. But I think for me, it's, it's, it's good to start with praise so that I'm praising God, I'm focusing on him, and then that will help me to get into alignment so that then I can, I can be, be silent and still before God rather than 
sort of then I've got other things going on in my mind. So it might be a time of praise myself. It might be reading reading um, some praise psalms. And actually, the, when I when I got back on Saturday, on Friday afternoon, I started and I I read through Psalm eight. And I thought, oh yes, I'll read through. And it was just amazing. There was just so much in it. And the, it's a very short. And the start of Psalm 8 starts with, with praise. The end starts with exactly the same, um, praise. So, and then on yesterday, I, I, I thought, no, I'm going to do Psalm 8 again. So you don't, it doesn't matter. Um, so I, I read Psalm 8 again. I went downstairs to clear up the kitchen and I put on the radio, the UCB radio. And then they said, let's read Psalm 8. So, so it was like, I think all the different passages in the Bible and they chose Psalm 8, which to me that was encouragement and it was confirmation that actually I was in, in tune with, with God. So then I'm going to go into a time of silence. And it's just a time to be still before God and allow him to to speak to me. So the third thing, again, it's sort of about abiding in him. And it might be reading a passage. It might be, I might decide, right, I'm going to, like at the moment, I'm going through the book of Hebrews. It might be reading a passage. um, But then... It might be that something jumps out and God speaks to me through that. But it's also a time for God to minister to me. So it could be, um, there might be a verse. I think, no, I'm just going to stop, spend spend a few minutes meditating on that verse. Um, It might be memorizing verses. So again, I'm going to let God lead me and guide me. And then the fourth um, step of the rhythm is to welcome the Holy Spirit into my day um, so that we're walking together to, to, change, the, to change the world, that we're, we're walking together, that he's leading, he's guiding. Um, my, um, so, yeah, it is in, important to include this into my daily, daily routine. So, and then the third point was stepping out with God in boldness. My, my verse, this, this term is boldness. Um, so last, last time it was love, which was good. It was concentrating on God loving me and how much he loves me. But it was also about how much, about me loving others. And it was good. And I was thinking, shall I do the same thing again? So, but then I thought, no, I will, because every year, like the first one was opportunity, then it was love. And every year I've thought, oh, should it be boldness? And I thought, no. Um, but this year I thought, yes, it's going to be boldness. So the third point that was spoken about was about stepping out with God in boldness and taking risks. Um, we need to wait on God. Like that, the boldness is going to come from a place of waiting on God and then stepping out in faith even if this is unnatural for us. Believing and asking God for God's spirit to guide us. And then just just two little stories is like going back again to this Somalian couple. They said when they first did it, they couldn't have their their photos on because, because they thought, and it was honestly too risky. It was dangerous. People could come, find them, see them, and kill them. It's so dangerous for them. And then... Um, some of the Somalians, they like to see the face and they said, but how do we know that you are Somalians? You could be some, you could be an actor, you could be somebody 
who's from a different country and you're not Somalian at all. Um, and then they, they just felt, no, we've got to actually step out in faith and take that risk. And, um, and it was actually like before then God was moving and he was cha- working in people's lives and people were becoming Christians. But it was when they took that risk that, that it opened up and so many people have become Christians. And the second, in one of the talks, it was, um, there was this lady who was, she'd been spending time with God and she was stepping out in faith and wondering what to do. And then this lady sensed that she should go into a shop and have her nails done. And apparently she'd never, ever, ever in her life gone and had her nails done. So it wasn't like a, a normal thing for her, but she really felt that she should go into this shop to have her nails done and that God would give her someone to speak to. So she went in, she made an appointment and then a lady came out and she just knew that that was, that was the lady that God, um, God, she thought that's the lady that God wants me to speak to. So she said, can I make it with this lady? And she made the appointment. And as she was having her nails done, then, then this, this lady, um, she, um, said that she had lupus. She'd been really unwell and she had lupus. So this lady stepped out in boldness again and said, well, can I pray for you? She prayed for the lady. Um, and then she gave her, her, her details. And then shortly later, um, I can't remember how long later, this lady phoned her and said, oh, thank you so much for your prayer. Um, since then, then I've been so much better. My hair's growing again. And then she said to the Christian, can I start coming along to church with you? So... So sometimes we, it's by stepping out in faith. And if we get it wrong, that doesn't matter either. It doesn't matter. Um, so, but we, but if we don't, then it might be that we miss an opportunity where God could change someone's life. I will try and be really quick. Um, I went to the conference and I asked God for transformation, not information. I asked if he would touch me and change me and, um, the very first session when John Wright, he and Debbie lead our, our vineyard movement in the UK and Ireland, and he spoke about multiplication. And that went straight away to my default position. Um, I'm rubbish. I can't multiply anything. The church isn't growing. It must be me. I'm totally useless. And out of that, I just the Lord just touched me and showed me so many ways in which I'd multiplied my faith and, and touched the lives of others. And um, he just encouraged me. And it was such a transforming moment for me that I just had time in his presence, which was wonderful. And my son has always said to us, Mom, don't worry about how big the church is. Your church in heaven is going to be huge, the number of people that you've touched. And Ramona, you're just my perfect picture of what God said to me. Ramona came to faith in our church in Malawi and she's living in Three Bridges now and she's found us and, and here she is. So on a day where I just needed <laughs> confirmation that I can multiply, <laughs> Ramona walks in. That's just the goodness, the incredible goodness of God. And, and then it wasn't about numbers can we multiply kindness? Can we multiply faith? Can we multiply love? Can we multiply grace and generosity and gratitude and joy and trust and all our wonderful words that we've got? 
And so I was so blessed and touched and transformed and encouraged by God. And then um, Joe was sharing about the video taken of the people who were the instruments in starting the vineyard. And um, I'd watched something on the American um, National Leaders Conference when they were being interviewed. And Carol, you couldn't see it on this video. She's actually suffering from dementia. And she mentioned that. But these saints, these people whose shoulders we stand on, said, take your place. And then there was a call to over 50s. To me, if you're over 50, you're still young. I thought they should have called the over 70s, but they clearly think over 50 is young. They called out the over 50s, and they said, especially women. God has got his hand on older women. We are to be the mothers of the church. We are to be the mothers. The men are to be the fathers. And they called us out. And they said, there's now a new anointing of authority, of anointing, of commissioning, of, of, of gifts, everything that God is doing. There's a new authority on you. And so watch out, everyone. I'm just telling you now. And not my fault. And so just once again, where I've been questioning, you know, can I still lead the church? Um, am I too old? Should I be handing over? Is this the right thing? Take your place. Women. Older women, God needs you in the kingdom, take your place. So that was really, really exciting for me. And Mark and I have been blessed for the last four years to go with other senior pastors that the Vineyard has put on a soul care retreat. So I've been doing spiritual formation, going deeper, which is why you keep getting this, going deeper, why you keep getting a bit of lectio and a bit of imaginative reading of scripture and why you get prayer stations and it's because we're trying to feed into you what we've been fed. And um, there really is a new move of the Spirit to bring more spiritual formation, more time in the Lord's presence. The word abide that Sue shared came through over and over and over again in the conference. And how do we abide? And um, this is... This is what the the church is doing, not just the vineyard, but the church worldwide. The Lord is bringing this idea of spiritual formation, of abiding in him, of learning. And um, you know we gave you all booklets like this, how to spend time with Jesus. I hope you're doing them. Our connect groups are just spending time with Jesus, not coming with a program and a Bible study and a teaching but coming and waiting on the Lord and listening to what he's saying and then blessing one another, sharing with one another, encouraging one another. It's all about him. And this book, I cannot recommend it highly enough. John Mark was the main speaker at the conference and this book is called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. And we will be teaching you the spiritual formation, some of the things that we've been talking about. Sue was mentioning some of the ones about how she needs to abide, and we're going to be doing that for all of you. So if you're feeling like Sue, that yes, I spend time in the Word, but I don't know how to abide, we're going to be helping you through this. And I just want to talk a little bit about hurry. Here are some quotes. Dallas Willard said, Ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. Carl Jung, the Swiss psychologist, said, Hurry isn't of the devil. It is the devil. Corrie Tenboom, prisoner of war, 
in the concentration camps in Germany, if the devil can't make you sin, he'll make you busy. And here's one I really like by Bill Gates. Busy is the new stupid. So how do we eliminate hurry and get to that place of abiding in him? And I'd just like to read out ten points to you. If you identify with any of these, you need to learn to eliminate hurry from your life. So here goes. Irritability. Um, Mark and I might have noticed that a little bit in our relationship as we left for church this morning. Just putting it out there. Hypersensitivity, where the least thing can push you over the edge. Normally it would be like water off a duck's back. Restlessness, where even when you do have time, you don't know what to do with it. And so you pick up your phone. Compulsive overworking. Boss didn't expect you to stay till 7 o'clock, but you felt you needed to, to get ahead of something. Emotional numbness. We just can't cope with your own problems, never mind anyone else's, just leave me alone. Escapist behavior. And that can be vegging in front of the TV because you haven't got the energy to do anything else. Or it could be alcohol, or it could be drugs, or it could be something else that's a habit that's not very good. Disconnected from our identity and calling. We just don't know who we are, what we're called to do, because we just haven't got time to stop and think about it. Not able to attend to human needs. Sometimes you can't even put the kettle on or make yourself a sandwich. Never mind, do anything for anyone else. Hoarding energy. You don't want to give away too much or do something for something because you might need that. Because you're so stressed you want to hang on to what you've got and you just don't want to let go. And then the last one, slippage in our spiritual practices. And it is great that you might read your Bible in the morning. But if it's too much of you telling God what to do instead of waiting for God to tell you what to do, you're missing out on a world of joy and peace and love and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and self-control and all the fruits of the Spirit that he created for us. So we're just going to worship now. I've asked Rachel, she would just come and play us a song. You can sit, you can stand, you can sing, you can kneel. But I just want to say, as Rach begins to start, come Holy Spirit. <laughs>